in January 2009, Palm was going to launch its like new phone, its new operating system that was going to you know, fight against iOS. Well, it is my pleasure to show you the new Palm Pre. This is at the CES trade show in Las Vegas. And then we had a private meeting with them, but they also, in a different section of the crazy convention complex at CES, they were going to show, like, just to regular journalists, this new phone that they're coming out with. So we were at the keynote. This is when I was at Engadget. We, we had a, a booked a meeting, and then I was standing outside of this room where they were going to show the phone. And because the goal was just to get the first photos of this phone. I'm like watching the, the news happen live. It's the Palm Pre. It's so exciting. It's got a slide out keyboard. It's going to change the world. It's all web, web OS. It's all web technologies. It's really cool. Um, and they let me into the room. And it's before we've gotten our private meeting. So I'm going to have this chance to be the first to, to take like hands-on photos of this phone. So I... Um, I go into the room and I just start taking just tons of pictures and um, but I don't have a way to upload them and so a coworker shows up and takes my camera from me I've gotten a little bit of video a bunch of photos I take my card out of the camera and I literally sprint down the convention hallway to our trailer in the CS parking lot and I run into the trailer and I brandish my car and I say I've got it and we, you know, someone grabs the car from me, we get the photos up, and we have the first hands-on ever of the Palm Pre. And that was gadget blogging. Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I am your humble host, Christopher Thomas Plant. Today, I'm joined by my friend, my colleague, the editor of our new gadget blog, Circuit Breaker, Paul Miller. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I left off another credit, co-founder of TheVerge.com. Yes. And you're back. You're back for your second Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. I'm not as good at running anymore. I'm a little out of practice. I'm talking about gadget blogs today. We're going to start with the, the obvious. Paul, what is a gadget blog? Well... I think the first first thing to know is what a blog is. And uh, a blog was like a web blog, right? So it's like basically a diary. So a person has an online diary, and then over time they come up with like a real easy way to update it regularly. And that's kind of what blogging became. But But a gadget blog is kind of this genre that was created in like 2002, 2003, where it's a a commercial venture by professional writers to create this sort of constant kind of personal diary about gadgets. It's, it's, it's really just, it's a blog. And I think you kind of know what a blog is from like that, that era. And it's just a blog about gadgets, but it's very much about that medium of blogging, which is this rapid short posts that are passionate and personal and have a a real personality to them. It's not journalism. It's it's something just totally, it's kind of its own genre. What What is like an early example of this? Well, so it, it, it has a very clear lineage, as far as I know. 
It was started by Peter Rojas when he started Gizmodo and um, with with Nick Denton at Gawker, right? And he, he started it off and, and it was just these super short posts and they were trying to um, basically create like Wired's, like their favorite part of Wired was the gadgets. So they just want to show gadgets all the time. And I, I just discovered Engadget, which was Peter Rojas's next project, which he started in like 2004 after he broke up with Nick Denton as far as like their business partnership wasn't working out for whatever reason. So he started a second gadget blog, Engadget, which um, is what I joined in 2005. And for me, what it was like was, did you ever read Popular Science? Yeah. Popular Science always had that best of what's new section which was the, the section I always turned to. It was just this grid of like some photos and quick blurbs of gadgets. And when I discovered Engadget, it was this place where you could just sit there and click refresh and like every half an hour or so you get to see another gadget. Instead of having to wait a month for a magazine to come out with five gadgets in it, you could see 20 gadgets in a day. Well, I mean, you, you've kind of dug into this, but are, are there other differences than a traditional tech magazine or even at this point, 2004 or so, uh, a difference between this and a traditional website? Well, yeah, it, blogging was kind of a medium that I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to. I, I, I remember very specifically at Engadget that our big competition, other like there was this huge rivalry between Gizmodo and Engadget because they were kind of founded under the same sort of, you know, purpose. But our other big rivalry was was CNET. CNET was like the big, slow, old media corporation, you know, in our eyes. And we were very much about getting all the little gadgets and doing the hustling and getting the photos, you know, not always relying on, on, on press releases. I, it was something about being like lean and mean and really fast that, and that's what our audience wanted. And CNET didn't have to be that hungry to succeed uh, because they had sort of a, a larger traditional audience. But to please our audience, we had to just cover everything and we had to be super quick about it. Yeah, I mean, I remember that when, when I got into games reporting with like a games blog versus IGN, IGN had, I mean, essentially cheat code pages and strategy guides and thousands of, you know, image assets that they could succeed in, in a good part simply off of their legacy. When people Googled things, they would land on IGN because they had been around so long and had built up such a like kind of a, a weird version of a magazine on the internet at the time. So I, I, I remember blogs felt like to compete with that, you had to have this alternate solution. Right. And, and, and one of the things you end up doing is being a lot more granular than a big publication. Like it, it, imagine you, the, your only competition is the New York Times. You know, the New York Times is, is not going to dedicate a, a, a reporter and all the machinations of, that it takes to get something posted on the New York Times website or published in a newspaper, you know, about like a, a minor software update to a phone that like, you know, 10,000 people own. Um, but we could do that. And I, I think that's very much what the medium of blogging was. There was nothing wrong with putting up another post. You know, it was really easy to put up another post. And that was what you were supposed to do. So you just put up another post. 
I want to talk about two things that are kind of connected. Mm. I want to hear your earliest memories of reading gadget blogs and being like a fan mm. uh, and that side of things. And then I want you to contrast that with uh, the actual experience of working at a gadget blog, especially in these early, like very lean, very fast days. Yeah. So before I found Engadget, I was just like a traditional Apple fanboy, as they they were called and are still sometimes called. Um, I forget which forums I was on. There was a ton of Mac news sites. I wasn't aware of general gadget news sites, um, and a lot of it would happen in forums. So I remember being like on these forums and then someone's like, oh, dude, I'm going to live blog. Like, I don't think it was called live blogging. I'm going to live announce the this Apple keynote. Like, and, and so someone, this is before the gadget blog started doing live blogging. Someone like on their Nokia phone, like got onto IRC and did like live, basically text message updates from the Apple keynote. So that was like when I was kind of my early days. And then I found Engadget because I like downloaded this RSS reader that had Engadget preloaded as a, as a feed. And, um, it was just so beautiful to see this picture and this funny write up. And that was one of the big things. It's a funny headline, uh, a snarky write up, you know, um, the, the, it was Peter Rojas and Ryan Block were doing most of it. And like, they'd use the word natch and they'd like, just use kind of funny turns of phrase that like it didn't have anything to do with technology but it kind of let you know they were super cool people that were just talking about some gadgets you know and so for your second question i saw like a call for applications on engadget i was like well that looks fun and i applied not knowing it was even a paid position i was working in graphic design at the time and um to apply, I was supposed to, there was nothing about like college experience or prior work experience, which was great because I had none of those things. Uh, it's just like find a couple gadgets and, and write about them. My first application, I made up two gadgets and they said like, uh, could you actually find some, some real, some real news? And that was, <laughs> that was actually my first time like realizing like, oh, wait, like, this doesn't. This stuff isn't just handed to you on a platter. Like it was kind of hard for me to find something that the Engadget hadn't already written about, and yet was worthy of Engadget. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I dug around on the internet for a while, and I guess I found the right things because I wrote them up, and then and I eventually actually got the job. Uh, and they they wanted to pay me, which was wonderful for me. Okay. So uh, we have, I think, a pretty clear idea of what the uh, original Gadget blog was hmm. now we the verge.com right are launching our own gadget blog the, the 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 line around it that i've seen on the internet is gadget blog it's back <laughs> but that implies it went somewhere right where did it go all right this is a personal opinion and i don't want to say that this is like the gospel truth this is just what i feel like happened for one gadgets never went anywhere um, and I think Neil and I disagree a little bit about that, but that's fine. Um, that happens. But gadgets are really cool right now. Uh, and, I, and I talked about this in the launch video. And, and you know, we uh, maybe I'm beating a dead horse here. But there was a ton of gadgets 
that existed in the world. And then when Steve Jobs launched the iPhone, he was like, today we're going to announce three revolutionary products. It's a, we're going to launch a, a phone. We're going to launch an internet communicator. We're going to launch like an HD camera or so, something like that, right? And then his mind-blowing revelation was, they're all one device. Because like before that, it used to be the computer was the hub and you'd have your camera and your MP3 player. You'd have all these different gadgets that you'd plug into your computer to sync your data or whatever and then go on with your life. Now, after the iPhone, the, 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 the phone was the center of the universe. But, and so that it kind of consolidated focus and passion around just the smartphone. But what also happened is that these smartphones had to keep getting better every year. And so they added accelerometers and gyroscopes and insanely high resolution screens and amazing cameras. And like those, those accelerometers, gyroscopes and screens are directly responsible for why we got the Wiimote PlayStation Move um, and uh, VR. Um, and so I, I, what I feel like is there was this weird singularity that happened around the phone and then exploded back into gadgets. But I think on the media side, what happened was we launched The Verge and we said, this is going to be a technology and culture magazine. We didn't want to be called a blog. We didn't want people to call us a blog. And we didn't use the word blog ourselves. It had a lot of journalism. And it had a lot of original reporting. It was competitive with big media organizations. Um, you know, we have fact-checking and, and copy editing and all these fancy things. And I think it, it is beautiful and it, and it tells amazing stories. And I think it's a really important publication. Um, and I think a lot of other people wanted to do that too. And so a lot of the gadget blogs kind of went in that direction. I don't think all of them. I think there are still definitely gadget blogs that exist. So what Circuit Breaker is, is a chance for us to just kind of go back to our roots, create a, a, a literal gadget blog within The Verge and kind of see if that's okay. And it seems kind of okay so far. Okay, to wrap things up, Give us a sneak preview of what the plan is for this new gadget blog. And I mean, it, it, maybe maybe it is different. Maybe it's not. But uh, it, is there a difference between this and like what you loved about a gadget blog way back in the day? Well, one one thing that I think like like if I um one of the first hands on posts I did, I, I think it was a preview or a review. It was like a ThinkPad with like a pen and it was a convertible tablet. It was a laptop that you could convert into a tablet. Had it had a pen and it had like Windows Tablet Edition on it or something. I got that in my apartment and I took really terrible photos with my digital elf and I was just barely scraping by, you know? Like some like a lot of the early gadget blogs, like you have like videos where like you can hear them breathing behind the camera. Or, um, like, the gadget is literally lying on somebody's bed, you know? Kind of stuff like that that's just, like, I don't know. It's, it's intimate, uh, but it's not cool, necessarily. Uh, what, what's cool about Circuit Breaker being part of The Verge is that The Verge has the resources and the access to do things really, really well. 
And, um, you know, like Dieter and I did a thing where on Facebook Live where we wanted to just talk about the state of gadgets. And um, it's just a single camera, but it, it looks nice. And there's we have all the gadgets here. You know, we didn't have to like Dieter and I happen to be in the same office. <laughs> We're not both in separate bedrooms on a Skype call talking about stuff. So I think there's an aspect of that where we can do gadget blogging kind of more professionally in a way. Um, but I also think there's something about the medium of like Facebook Live and the kind of the video team and the photo team that are are at The Verge. And also just all the, you know, there's science and space and, you know, the TLDR, like there's a ton of different expertises at The Verge to draw on as well that can, um, I think, make add extra context which is nice but also my big goal for circuit breaker is to make it very experiential i think a gadget blog is there to like present gadgets to you that you're not necessarily going to buy you're not necessarily shopping you just want to see gadgets you want to see new technology constantly and so i think we now have the resources and abilities and mediums to make gadget blogging way more immersive than it was before and I think that's why it could be really cool. Uh, but I also think it could be cool just because we can do it. We can do it well. You've sold me. I, I, I don't say this to every guest, but I will visit this gadget blog. Wow, wow, that means I, a lot. I also haven't had anybody else on the show to talk about gadget blogs, <laughs> but I want you to know that if I had, I would not like them nearly as much as I like you. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate that. And to be honest, you know. There's a lot of great gadget blogs out there, and they, it's not. Um, I don't think it has to be a war like it was with Engadget versus Gizmodo. There was some weird bad blood there, and I don't think it's about that. The internet's big enough for a lot of gadget blogs, and I read a ton of them right now, and and I hope people can accept Circuit Breaker into their hearts as well. Yeah, I feel like that that war mentality has changed now that uh, the industry is in the form is old enough that people have had to like leave jobs and go work other places and like now people have worked at like all of them uh right. they think people are like oh you know what um it's a job <laughs> like i don't yeah. have to like hate people because of it right right but maybe that's me just be that old medium mentality maybe i don't have the hunger for a gadget blog so we'll find out we will uh thank you for being on the show <laughs> Thank you for having me. And uh, a thank you to Andrew Marino for producing the show. Thank you to you for listening to the show. You can find us here every week on Tuesday. You can find us on TheVerge.com. You can find us on Twitter at What's Tech. Where can people find you, Paul? I'm Future Paul on Twitter. And sometimes I'm just roaming the streets of New York. So keep an eye out for Paul in the streets of New York. And please don't do anything creepy. Yeah. Uh, until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-ba.